Good afternoon, folks. Welcome back to the Rob Mena Show. Uh, the question today is, what is really happening with the Ukraine and Russia? My goodness, the situation is being hyped by the U.S. government and includes a giant miss on its intelligence prediction that Russia would invade on February 16th. But nevertheless, Washington is doubling down on its allegations that Russia is planning to use a false flag attack as a pretext to invade Ukraine. Russia says the U.S. has failed to give a constructive response to its proposal, which includes the rejection of NATO membership for Ukraine and Georgia. But again, the U.S. is insisting that Russia is involved in a false flag, even though the U.S. hasn't offered any actual proof to support the allegation. After days of conflicting reports about Russian troop movements from NATO and the myriad of media sources, the Biden administration and its incessant warnings about an impending invasion have become the butt of jokes across the Internet. And even the Russians are poking fun at our capabilities. Not that it isn't well-deserved. However, this may be all fun and games, but there are war-torn areas of eastern Ukraine and the Donbass region and late in the week, shelling and small arms fire has occurred at similar levels to previous ceasefire violations in the region, with both sides already blaming the other for starting the incident. Nearly simultaneously, the deputy U.S. ambassador to Russia was expelled by Moscow. These incidents only serve to highlight why now is the time to take a step back and exercise extreme patience by Russia and the United States and NATO until all the facts about these types of activity are resolved. More questions remain about what is happening and why than there are answers. We'll wade through the facts and the reality with a good friend of the show, John Mills, a retired Army colonel and former Department of Defense Director of Cybersecurity Policy, Strategy, International Affairs. Colonel Mills, sir, welcome back to The Rob Mana Show. Hey, Rob, uh, thank you. It's an honor to be with you. Uh, I'm really excited about this. Thank you. Well, we appreciate having you on. Uh, we were just talking, folks, before the show that uh, John's been on Newsmax and uh, Real America's Voice a lot lately, and I've been watching his, his uh, segments. Uh, so he's been a busy guy uh, along with all the other crazy stuff, and uh, the man is just an a, a energizer bunny when it comes to getting stuff done. Okay, John. Uh, we're both joint service officers, so we've had our joint professional military education, but I'm air, you're ground. Let's talk about this thing in Ukraine. Give folks uh, in the audience a, uh, a little short background on what is the deal between Russia and Ukraine historically, because I know it goes way back to even before the Soviet Union, doesn't it? Uh, yeah, it does. Uh, thank you, Rob. And uh, we are both JPME level four graduates, which means we are fluent in purple. We can address any of the uh, any uh, any of the joint situations and uh, all of the services. At least that's what the diploma says. But uh, yeah, so this is a long-standing situation. Uh, you know, Ukraine. Uh, just an extremely brief history. Remember, uh, during uh, the uh, Russian Revolution, when the uh, Russian army essentially collapsed, uh, you know, and people, uh, Americans are very unfamiliar with the First World War. 
and what happened on the Eastern Front. We're always focused on the Western Front. Uh, if you read Churchill's fifth book on uh, World War One, it, it gives uh, it opened my eyes on what happened in the broad expanse of the Eastern Front, which was a war of maneuver. It was Clausewitz on steroids, yeah. and it was a it was a massive Russian army that constantly was getting outmaneuvered and destroyed by the German army, which, you know, once you understand that concept, it helps it helps explain the insanity of uh, the German leaders attempt in World War II uh, in June of 41 to, uh, to why in the world did he invade Russia? Well, he remember, I mean, as far as the Germans were concerned, uh, they won in the East and, and they were sold out in the West. So uh, mm -hmm. it was, if you, you got to study the warfare uh, and I mean, parts that did include the Ukraine. And then once the Russian army collapsed in 19, uh, essentially 17 um, and uh, the Russian revolution really took off uh, the, uh, the Ukraine was essentially, and it, it went into the early twenties. Ukraine was essentially the last, one of the last, uh, 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 safe areas for those attempting to fight Bolshevism. Uh, you know, in the end it didn't turn out well, but, uh, yeah, there's always been a bit of ugliness in the Soviet mindset, mindset toward the Ukraine, because that really was, uh, the heartland of anti-communism in, in many ways, just like Prussia, uh, modern day Kaliningrad. It's that, that unique and curious uh, nub of land essentially between, uh, uh, Poland and uh, Germany, uh, I believe it is, uh, Pol or it's actually, excuse me, Poland and the Baltics mm -hmm. that, uh, essentially Russia has sworn to hold on to until the end of time, because in their minds, that is where Prussianism, i.e. Hitlerism started, was in that Kaliningrad uh, area. So they have vowed to hold on to that forever. And, yeah. Uh, um, but, but yeah, so Ukraine has a, an interesting history, kind of the heart of anti-communism in, uh, in uh, the Soviet Union, but essentially in the end uh, collapsed and was uh, absorbed by the Soviet Union and adhered to the Soviet Union, but always a bit of, uh, when the Germans invaded in uh, 1941, uh, most Ukrainians cheered actually. So uh, um, again, a very unique and interesting situation. Yeah, so, it is kind of odd, uh, uh, but it's also part of what the Russians have traditionally called the near abroad, which, uh, you know, I would remind the viewers that the, the Russians and the Soviet Union uh, did it very aggressively, but even before that, they, they've always guarded that area, their border states, uh, very carefully, you know, either try to bring them into their, their national orbit or at least keep them very, very close. Uh, and I think that's one of the things driving the issues that we're seeing today but how did we get here john i mean i mean it's it's ukraine what inter, you know how did we get here we the united states and nato uh because i don't believe this is all about uh russia's actions and vladimir putin although we'd always have to remember he's a kgb colonel uh so you know keeping that in mind how did we the west Get, let this get to this point. 
Yeah, this is there's accidental wars and there's intentional wars. Uh, this falls into the category of accidental wars when um, during uh, President Trump's first term, um, you know, he was extremely effective at uh, keeping the, uh, the the Russians and the Chinese at bay. It's extremely effect effective. And with Russia, it's all about gas and oil. Putin would not exist for his just very, his very sloppy, very inefficient, very corrupt Gazprom uh, uh, bureaucracy and uh, monopoly that is the, the state entity or the so-called private company for gas and oil production. Um, so, I mean, this is so in when when we were the number one producer of gas and oil in the world, when we uh, uh, President Trump brought us to an unheralded never before before seen status as being the dominant energy producer in the world, turn the world's economy upside down. And all those who would say, well, you know, just by being uh, beholden to oil, we're just supporting, uh, you know, terrorist sponsoring states, blah, 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 blah. Okay, great. Well, we, we were on the verge of putting everybody out of business because of the efficiency of fracking of allowing allowing um, uh, unique and clean ways to drill on public lands we were putting them out of business so so then uh you have the current incumbent of the white house who uh, uh, uh i'm not i'm in my opinion didn't earn it uh and they just they are they have a tortured ideology of when you're in the white house it's your job to uphold and defend the constitution and use and, uh, and defend all Americans, all Americans, and use every possible tool in the toolkit. And you should not be ideal, uh, ideologically beholden uh, uh, to one way or another. But they, the, the, the Bidens, like the, the Obama administration, are all about ideology, ideology. So they've, you know, they're complaining about Putin and Putin's a thug. He's 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 a he's a former KGB agent. Uh, he can't, you know. I mean, we should always treat him warily, but we don't need to treat him ugly and mean either. He is the lately he's a leader of a sovereign foreign power, whether you or anybody or me or anybody like it or not. That's just the way it is. And they oh, by the way, they have nuclear weapons. So you know the. The same group of people on the on the on the blue side who swore there was no such thing as a uh, you know there was no such thing as a Soviet plan to take over the world and mocked us uh, for even thinking the KGB was everywhere, uh, which in many ways they were. Uh, you know uh, now they're all of a sudden running around. You know they're reverse McCarthy here and they're running around shouting Russia, 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 no matter what. And uh, the reality is Putin is essentially a one trillion a year GDP. That's one twentieth, one twentieth of, of, of America or China. Can't really totally understand the Chinese numbers because they lie so much about everything. But if this, if, if Putin is a thug, he's not a nice person. He is being aggressive toward the Ukraine. Ukraine is not a treaty ally. They are not part of NATO. Uh, and in full defense, I don't believe even this 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 incumbent of the white uh, occupant of the White House. I don't think they've been making a big deal about Ukraine joining. I don't think they've been making a big deal about 
And that's one thing about consistency, Obama, Trump, and Biden. I don't think any, any of those presidents were aggressively pushing uh, Ukraine to be part of, uh, of uh, NATO. I think some yeah. European states, yes. Well John, well, John, in 2014, I mean, we did nothing when they went into Crimea. Uh, yeah, I was there, and you I was know? I was in many of the meetings, and uh, the the Obama administration wanted nothing to do with the Ukraine. Yeah. I th- I think that tune changed when they saw the opportunity. You know, you know, the whole model of the Clinton laundering machine was based on Haiti and mm-hmm. leveraging a uh, calamity and poor, pathetic people to launder NGO funds on a massive scale. Uh, until the Obama-Biden team uh, realized they could do the same in Ukraine on an even greater scale, to be honest, they couldn't have cared less about the Ukraine. And I, I was in a number of meetings uh, where, yeah, I mean, they, 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 our, our sum total of offering was blankets and pistol belts, blankets and pistol belts. You know, yeah. that, that was a joke. That was a so, joke. So we, so, so we, the United States, I mean, whether we agree with the Obama-Biden administration or not, we, the United States, left that door open, didn't we? I mean, uh, I mean that's what I was kind of getting at is why are we here? Why have we allowed this to, to well, happen? Because, I mean, we left the door open and basically rolled out the red carpet for this guy. Well, yeah, yeah. Before we even get to the... Uh, 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 misadventures of the uh the hapless biden team uh you know i think we need to you know first and foremost uh ukraine we don't want to see a sovereign country being invaded by a another sovereign country okay simple as that that is that is that yeah. is basic consistent u.s policy across administrations we don't want to see armed invasions okay so uh Russia is being aggressive toward the Ukraine. So we don't want, uh, that's not a good thing. And we should, it's a matter of policy, uh, should be agnostic, regardless of administration. We don't want to see that. Okay. The second thing though, is we have to hold the chaos of Europe accountable for this. Mm-hmm. Between the feckless European Union, which is nothing but a smothering blanket of bureaucracy on top of existing sovereign uh, national governments and does nothing but tax and suck up the resources. And oh, by the way, the militaries of all these co- European countries has just, it is a joke, the size of their military. I mean, this is, this is just a joke. And uh, they have, they have, they are just a, a sliver of the, the height of the Cold War, their capabilities. So, you know, they need to, again, the standard is 2% of GDP. Uh, uh, and and a few countries, I think Estonia, I think the Baltics were up there. I don't want to miss out, but there was a num- there was several countries that were suddenly by the end of the Trump first term beginning to hit the two percent. But mm. uh, I don't believe Germany was, and I sure I sure don't believe they are now. Uh, so so uh, Europe right. and their and their lack of defense spending, which makes them a paper tiger. This this chaos of the European Union. Uh, their their impending collapse through their their elite open borders policy to displace their own existing native populations. Uh, I mean, hey, they, they've got to take ownership and responsibility of this uh, of, the, of the Ukraine. I mean, it's first and foremost right in their backyard. But uh, so going on from there, the Ukraine is also. I think you have to call it. Uh, there's a lot of good people. I think there are some some some. There's been 
going back and forth. Zelensky's in power now, former comic. Um, sometimes that works, sometimes that doesn't work. Um, but um, oh, and yeah, one of the reasons why the Obamas couldn't have cared less was when they got into power. Uh, or when this happened, uh, those in power in the Ukraine, uh, I believe, I, I believe I got the the, the math correct, uh, were actually the the the, the Ukrainians that were uh, uh, very closely aligned with uh, uh, George W. So obviously, mm-hmm. because again, their innate ideology trumps all. Um, they uh, you know they just immediately were haters on the administration in the Ukraine, and that was one of the reasons for they couldn't care less until they realized this was ungoverned space and could use it for laundering activities. So, but the problem is with the Ukraine, there's a lot of ungoverned space. There's a large international crime footprint in the Ukraine because of this ungoverned space and corruption. Mm -hmm. There's a very large intelligence footprint of many countries in the Ukraine, mostly totalitarian systems. China has a strong footprint, Iran, Venezuela, North Korea, all, all the, the murderers row uh, regulars. Yeah. Um, so this is a lot of ungoverned space. Um, you know, a lot of illicit international financial activity originates there. There's connectivity between, you know, the you know, pan, uh, the fraudulent, you know, what, what fraud occurs in Panama, mm-hmm. in Alta, in Cyprus. So a lot of problems here, a lot of problems here. But, you know, bottom line, we don't want to see one country invade another. And, and, you know, the, 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 the Biden uh, team of misfits just does cannot. I mean, Jake Sullivan should should resign. I mean, he's been disgraceful. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and he's also I mean, and I, I, I bent over backwards, giving him the benefit of the doubt. Uh, you know, so I, I and I, I will I will call him if I if they do something good, I'm going to give him a compliment. I mean, that raises some ire on our well, I, I think I think you should. You know, Ilian Omar called out uh, reporters for outing a donor to the truck drivers up in Canada yeah. uh, just yesterday. I mean, you got to give them credit when they do something yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, I mean, so I think I, I'm going to give I'm going to give them credit. You know, Blinken, yeah. they're Blinken, I think, means well, but they don't understand the tradecraft concepts of showing resolve, of showing determination of inflicting cost for bad behavior and um, they just cannot intellectually wrap their minds around these concepts i remember these torturous meetings during the the biden year or the the obama years where when uh china would just was relentlessly ripping apart opm and would mm-hmm. not stop and it was even before them just the internal indignation and outrage of the obama team Okay, and they'd okay. We need ideas. We need ideas. Okay, okay. I need you to you know, write up 10, 10 good ideas. Turned into them, and they would just cluck their tongues, roll their eyes, pass out on the floor, and it's, oh, we can't, we shan't possibly be able to do that, John, because it just would be too provocative. And oh, you know, oh, John, do you realize what you're proposing? This is unbelievable. This would be. Oh, hold it, guys, guys, guys. Team Obama, please program get with i mean this is reality when a foreign country is doing uh, very mal- uh, malign things you need to inflict cost totalitarian states will run amok until you inflict cost it's as simple as that 
Well, and that's kind of that's kind of what's happening because the Obama administration didn't didn't inflict any costs. I mean, Trump came in and he he actually has provided kinetic weaponry to the Ukrainian armed forces, uh, which I'm not opposed to that uh, because they are our friends, but they're not in NATO. But but John. The president keeps saying NATO's on board, but Germany's not on board. Their actions have shown that they're not on board. They won't approve German weapons to go from one NATO country uh, into Ukraine. Uh, uh, they haven't stood up against Putin about the, the gas problem, the Nord Stream 2 issue, because they know that that's in their national interest to keep that going. So they're, they're not really on board. Uh, I mean, G Germany, uh, Germany has alter egos and doesn't know who Germany does not know who they are right now. Are they EU Germany or are they NATO Germany or are they Germany Germany? They don't know. And, you know, and they've essentially chosen to uh, wither their population, throw open the borders. And essentially the elites in Germany have, have essentially chosen a flood of uh, many times, oftentimes uh, illiterate uh, people who can't even speak their own language from, mm -hmm. from Africa and the Middle East to displace their native population. They have chosen the nihilistic uh, Nietzsche uh, suicide route. They don't care. Right. I'm sorry. Right. German Germans who believe in Germany either mm -hmm. stand up or get out because your elite have sold you out. So Germany doesn't even know who they are. And they don't know which side they're talking about. But uh, I've said this for several weeks now. If Biden, Blinken, Sullivan, and team were serious about this issue, three very simple actions that would bring Putin to a screeching halt. And that's one is, uh, you know, just, just a few months ago, uh, the U.S. State Department essentially, which had had some form of a say, over the, the completion and the operational use of the Nord Stream pipeline gave mm -hmm. the thumbs up. Insanity. What yeah. in the bloody world are we doing that and complaining about Putin? It makes no intellectual sense. Uh, again, we opened the door and rolled out the red carpet starting in 2014 and, and all the way up to that when he when he cleared when Biden cleared the Nord Stream yeah, pipeline and closed our own. Yeah, well, so, so step one. You know, uh, Putin would not exist if it wasn't for his his, his Gazprom receipts. Yeah. So if uh, Biden team is serious and that Putin is such a clear and present danger that we'll go to nuclear war or whatever. So there's been some pretty outlandish comments and actually yeah. that's from a Republican. Um, then then they need to revisit and shut down the Nord Stream pipeline. Uh, uh, point number two is they could have sent a thousand um, Javelin anti-tank missiles, uh, which are extremely effective, uh, mm -hmm. extremely, uh, they're actually very simple to teach and train, a very minimal, minimal amount of training the trainer, uh, hand it off, you know, and you know, you, you put, the, uh, put the optical on the target, you know, uh, identify the target for three to five seconds, squeeze the trigger, and then you can immediately reload and re-engage. It is a it is a fire and forget top attack missile that would just to devastate any kind of, any form of Soviet armor incursion. And we'll get to that in a moment because they it is a it is an absolute slipshod you know circus what the what the Russians are are doing and mm. we're, we're effectively spazzing out. Uh, that's a technical term from diplomacy. Uh, <laughs> So the, th the third thing they, they uh, the Biden uh, menagerie could have done is uh, 
unleash American energy. Instead, they're destroying American energy, spiking costs, and now he's begging OPEC to uh, to uh, produce more oil. Hello, McBiden, wake up, McFly. We have everything right here. What in the bloody world are we groveling in front of uh, OPEC for? So this is ridiculous. Three easy things. Now, again, I'm going to give credit where credit's due. I mean, I was saying this for about five weeks, and then it was just about a week ago. Uh, Brandon, uh, you know, shouted incoherently something about, you know, addressing the Nord Stream pipeline. So yeah. in, in his in his blurriness and fogginess, I mean, somebody slipped him a talking point on something about the Nord Stream. But, hey, come on. Ridiculous. That should have been point one as soon as this happened, if this was a real issue. So but the Germans have to be on board for that to be that I, statement I to come true, right? Well, I don't totally understand at this point in time, since we gave that that thumbs up, you know, can we retract it? What other, but there's all these tools in the trade uh, tradecraft toolbox of diplomacy that are very, very underused. And uh, there's a number of trade issues. Uh, and even if we had given away the farm, I think there's a lot of things we could revisit that would uh, get Germany's attention. So uh, very uh, a paralyzed, uh, essentially cowering use of the tools in the toolbox. And I'm talking about the trade, uh, the di diplomatic, I mean, mm -hmm. all instruments of national power should be on the table here. And yet, um, Jake Sullivan and uh, Tony Blinken and team just seem fearful and cowering. And if we if we fight aggression, we'll create aggression. It's the same that goes back to the war on terror. If we fight terror, we create terror. Come on, that's utter silliness. Well, I think you laid it out nicely uh, to lead to my next question. Uh, uh, you laid out nicely why I think it's not in our vital national interest to go to war over Ukraine with Russia. Oh, and I don't think it's in NATO's vital interest uh, to go to war with Russia over the Ukraine. Uh, and, uh, uh, and nothing that the administration or the Obama administration has done, or even the Trump administration, leads me to believe that we should sacrifice my kids and your kids uh, for the Ukrainian border. That's their problem. That is their problem. I'm okay with being friends with them and giving them supplies and those kind of things, but all of these actions that you just laid out open that door and roll the red carpet out for Putin to do whatever he needs. He thinks he needs to do from a national interest perspective. Biden and team are doing, they say it's a threat. They say Putin's a, a threat. And I love this game they're playing now that now they're dropping all these big hints with all their, you know, uh, an undisclosed source said that, wow, we really, we really trump Putin because we revealed the day he was going to invade. And because of that, he didn't invade. I said, well, okay, you know, you guys can make uh, tales about your imaginary friends all day long here. I mean, you can go back to Hillary and all these imaginary friends she had. But come on, this is utterly silly. You know, now that, uh, you know, a million Soviet tanks, which they don't have a million anymore, uh, didn't come across the border yesterday, it was because of the unbelievable sophisticated table drop of the invasion date i mean give <laughs> me a break what what utter theater and uh silliness uh that had nothing <laughs> that had nothing to do with it that was uh 
<laughs> the whole what what he has postured on the, and this has been in in joint terms going back to JPME four. This is uh, essentially has been a, a uh, demonstration in joint pu joint publication, joint warfighting terms, a demonstration, a feint, a distraction that the game is China, 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 China. Mm -hmm. Putin is the junior partner. China is the senior partner. We get, can get to China in a moment, but um, Putin has been performing his duties of junior partner flunky flawlessly. Uh, with a threadbare of force structure compared to what he had at the height of the Cold War. Now, you know, I mean, just directly to the north of, uh, now kind of directly when you're talking about the capital city, Kiev, actually if you go due north, it's Belarus, which is yeah. one of the former periphery states, because you, you had mentioned that earlier in the, 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 the you know, uh, oftentimes the Russians refer to this as periphery. So Belarus is a, is a thuggery state. Yeah. Uh, still on the on Putin's side, but you know they're roughly I think it's about eighty miles south of Belarus territory, where some additional Soviet forces or Russian forces have been. Most of the Russian forces are uh, in Varenish uh, and north of the Donbass region, which is territory they've already uh, essentially seized. Yeah. Uh, um, but you know they've been dropping armor off of the railhead, you know, 40, you know, 30, 40 miles away from the, uh, uh, the border area. That doesn't sound like a whole lot, but when you use armor and I've been in both conventional, you know, in cavalry units, but I've also been special operation units. Um, I mean, any heavy unit, any kind of armored mechanized unit, yes, it's extremely powerful, but it needs a lot of fuel and a lot of maintenance. And anytime you you road march with your 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 tank columns, mm -hmm. 20, 30, 40 miles, you're going to wipe out the roads, which you're actually doing a huge disav uh, disservice to your, yourself. You've just taken a nice hardtop road and turned it into a mud pit. Yeah. Okay. That is very bad. And that's what happens. And tanks break. Even even American tanks, you need a lot of maintenance, and uh, uh, that takes up a lot of fuel. So behind every tank column, you need a, a column of fuel trucks. You need a column of uh, maintenance contact teams because you know they they just heavy equipment, uh, mechanized equipment are very maintenance in, uh, intensive. So mm. when a special operations unit comes in from the field, you know they uh, clean their rifle, they. Uh, account for their night vision goggles, throw them, throw them at the armor, uh, turn them in and you go home, you know, in a mechanized unit, you're, you're up until midnight and then you spend the next, you know, two, three, four weeks recovering, you know, it's just like flying an airplane, you know? Well, and I think you touch on another, another indicator that we're, we're not serious. And, and I don't think we should be uh, as far as like going to war against Russia. Because one of our responses was send the you know three or four thousand airborne troops, eighty second airborne into Poland. Airborne doesn't defeat armor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is uh, that is not it's that is more of it's on our on our side. It's demonstration, faint mm -hmm. diversion. It looks good for the uh, for the combat camera crew and the Yukom uh, website. Okay, right. and all all the uh, all the press releases. Okay. But the reality is they're far away. The reality is they're, they're still essentially a foot unit, although you're, you're seeing more and more ground mobility, even in the, uh, in the, even in the airborne air assault units, uh, the mm -hmm. light units. Um, but yeah, essentially, but 
But now that's why I said the, uh, I noticed um, the uh, British, uh, the Royal Air Force 99 Squadron, which is their, their C-17. I think uh, the Brits were able to scrape up enough money for like uh, one and a half C-17s or something like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that they've been flying pile up uh, a number of pallet loads of, um, and I'm sorry, Royal Air Force, that was a cheap shot. I, I, I apologize for that cheap shot, but. Um, but the, a number of pallet loads of NLAW missiles, which are a smaller version of our Javelin. And the Javelin are extremely, again, as I talked earlier, extremely mm-hmm. reach out, depending on which configuration. There's one configuration. You can reach out about 2,500 meters. Okay, that's still uh, more than a mile. Uh, there's another another one configuration where you can start hitting four, four, four and a half kilometers. You know, okay, yeah, that's, that's some pretty thing. And these things are accurate. You just put the cursor on the target, let it sense and identify that target for like, it's about three to five seconds squeeze. Mm -hmm. And then you just, you know, take the empty cardboard tube off and put on a new cardboard tube with a new missile in it. And these are been used. I think I was reading, uh, I think these, there's 20,000 combat shots of the, uh, uh, of the, uh, uh, the javelins, very, very, uh, accurate, effective, mature, wonderful weapon. Um, and the uh, the N laws a, a smaller version doesn't really only reaches out to about 600 meters is the reported range. That's that's good. I'd like to be a little further than that from a T90 a 1992 coming down the road at me. Mm-hmm. I like a little more distance than that. Um, but it's it's still it's a fire forget top attack missile. It'll uh, the British term it'll brew up those uh, T T90s two T92s. It'll be a very bad day for them. So, uh, and dur- during the Trump administration, we did uh, sell them some javelins, didn't we? I- I'm a little unclear. I was going back through uh, the and, and some of this stuff, you know, and announce an FF and a foreign military sales announcement. You got to do the forensics because sometimes, um, from the public announcement of a sale to actual arrival, mm-hmm. uh, it can be agonizingly slow. It can be y- multiple years. And I've, I've worked some of these cases. It just, it'll, uh, it'll, you'll just want to just poke a sharp object through your forehead after having uh, yeah. through the painful bureaucracy of some of these things. So I, 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 I haven't totally been able to figure out the forensics, but I noticed that Turkey, uh, which has one of the intentionally, this is a strategic effort by Turkey, one of the largest arms industries in the world now, uh, because of our our uncomfortableness with selling drones and especially armed mm-hmm. drones, we started to expand it. Excuse me, under Trump, um, and the Biden team hasn't contracted it, but we're still it's still relatively slow. Turkey stepped right in and essentially sold them. Um, Essentially, you know the uh, predator and reaper clones that uh, that are that are uh, far less expensive, uh, mm-hmm. you know, close to the same capabilities. And uh, as Turkish arms dealers like to say, and it's very you, know, you can look, pick up trade journals, it'll say this: no U.S. content, and they say that specifically yeah. because you won't have to fool around with ITARs, FM, FMS procedures, etc. None of those strings. Oh yeah. None yeah. of those strings attached. Well, well, I'm hearing from you. We really don't have a vital interest in this fight. We don't want to. <laughs> uh, I mean, I mean, we don't, nobody wants to see another country invaded by another country through use of force. But they're not in NATO, so we don't have a vital. We haven't declared a vital interest 
that would bring us into that fight. Go, uh, after, go after Nord Stream, send them yeah. a thousand javelins and unleash American energy. And uh, it's nothing but pluses for us, nothing but negatives for them. Yep, exactly yeah. right. Exactly right. And, uh, you know, Putin's going to do what Putin does. And, and uh, you pointed out that he's working for China uh, as the junior partner in that agreement. And I say agreement because I believe there is one. Uh, so why do you think our intelligence is so stepping on it? You know, I mean, uh, the, the whole, the whole, the, this whole thing about the invasion and, and getting the politicians to say something about it. I mean, that's got to come back to the U S intelligence apparatus, which is a mess from a human uh, perspective in China and Russia and yeah. Eastern Europe, really. Well, um, I think uh, my next uh, uh, Epic Times article is going to be talking about this is uh, we need a complete, uh, you know, Senator Frank Church, Democrat from Idaho in 1975, conducted a historic review of the intelligence community, which mm -hmm. brought out some of the dirty and dark secrets of the of the intelligence community. Uh, you know, I'm I, I think there should always be transparency, always be oversight. But sometimes you you have to you're dealing with some really nasty people, and sometimes in the dark alleys, and sometimes you gotta you gotta uh, you gotta go fist to fist and knife to knife, and you gotta do some some uh, nasty things because you're dealing with very nasty people. And if if it means protecting Americans or strategic partners, we may have to do that. But but uh, what what Church uncovered was uh, essentially in many ways an out of control intelligence community at the time. And we need a complete set of hearings on that. But the intelligence community is just um, like the administration. Ideologically, um, they have they have become ideologically um, essentially focused. It uh, all the intel community directives, which are public facing, which are on the DNI's website. Um, they they just uh, I, I think we got a deep cancer in the intelligence community and and i think if 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 senior professionals senior careerists uh if they are going to be intellectually honest they need to acknowledge this and uh and and get real but right now you know the the it's it was a joke for years uh but you know the uh the reality in the ic is they are not beholden to the constitution they are beholden to uh, you know, one of the 18 agencies uh, comprised with Executive Order 12333. Uh, you know, uh, we, we would joke about that. We would joke about that. But, uh, you know, one time at a White House meeting, I dared question, uh, and I'm not, I'm not going to mention which presidential directive it was, because then you'd know which intelligence community agency was. But I just, you know, it was supposed to be a free-flowing blue sky dialogue on a certain presidential directive. And I said, oh, okay, well, great, great. Well, here's my opinion in this free-flowing, uh, non-attribution <laughs> classified meeting. Uh, and, and here's my view. And why do we have this presidential directive in, in the year umpty-ump? Um, you know, maybe it's time to revisit this. And no sooner mm -hmm. had I got back to the Pentagon, I was cautioned by multiple people from that IC entity 
that uh, of a email that had sent, been sent immediately directly to the director of that agency. And the overdramatic opening part of the email was, um, I'm, I'm not even going to say who it was to, then, you, then you'd know who it was and which agency, but it says, mm -hmm. sir, we have a problem. It looks like Mills is not on board with us. And it's like, you got to be kidding me. Okay, so there you go. Blue yep. sky, non-attribution, mm -hmm. anything goes. And the first thing that happens is I get ratted upon and you know turned in as a uh, uh, apostate against uh, that part of the the uh, IC. So I mean, this this is this is utter silliness. Everybody in the U.S. government, uh, uh, whether you are civilian or whether you are military, takes an oath of office and uh, takes an oath to the not to the president to the Constitution. Yep. And I, right. I take that very seriously, and I think we need a total, total, top to bottom, bottom to top uh, review of the IC. And clearly, with this most recent Durham uh, thing, and we could talk about that more in a, in a in a in a in an upcoming show here. But I think that most re recent Durham thing, one of the most disturbing things, which I think m most people have missed, there was two. Not one, that information by tech exec one, which he stole out of the White House, you know, after Trump's yeah. office, stole out of the White House was and and at this time in 20 January 2017, Comey and Brennan already knew the Russia story was fake. That is in writing, and it was revealed by the declassification by uh Hurricane Rick Grinnell and John Ratcliffe. Yep. And Comey and Brennan, as soon as Trump won, did it anyway, trumped up fake charges, made a fake intelligence community assessment that I personally uh, was one of the senior reviewers of when it come to, came to the DOD. I reviewed it. I non-concurred. Nothing in the body of this intel community assessment actually supported the upfront assertion that Trump was a Russian asset. They lied. We had senior government officials lie create a fake ICA and uh, this this is this is unbelievable but that is actually corroborated by the Durham finding because mm -hmm. what tech exec one did was he gave it to two two US government entities well you'd think one obviously would be the FBI no no surprise <laughs> yeah. it still was a, at that time a fake and false investigation by yeah. a, a liar named Comey but who who is the second? Who oh, they had to be backing him. Well, who was the second government agency? Because Durham's filing says two government agencies. Oh, One, you know, you know, it had, to be, it had to be the CIA. Well, we don't know, but that's that's a yeah. huge, a huge nugget. We need to know who was that second agency, which explains and supports the need for a modern church here. Absolutely does. And that the, the, those Comey's actions and the other director's actions are direct attacks, not on Donald Trump, John, but on the Constitution of the United States and our constitutional government. And that's why there can be no statute of limitations on treason uh, uh, or, or any of the lesser conspiracy and those kind of things. And we need to figure it out once the church uh, committee does its thing, hopefully we can get something like that set up. Uh, that needs to come out, and justice has got to be served. It's got to be served. Too many, too many bad things have 
outcome of that. And one of them is a guy named Jake Sullivan, who was also part of that cabal uh, uh, in the uh, Durham investigation that's been pointed out. And and this guy and Biden are pushing, pushing, pushing uh, the country into conflict with Russia. Why are they doing that? Makes no sense whatsoever. I'm going to take the bait because he knows, he's a KGB colonel, he knows the issue. GDP is way too small, it's minuscule. His forces are too small, they're minuscule compared to just the United States, let alone NATO, okay? Uh, So he's not going to take the bait. Are they doing it just because they know they can uh, and to distract from this whole Durham thing? Uh, Well, when you have no moral compass, no moral starting point, you have no moral starting point. So truth is whatever you want it to be. You can make it up. You can just make up anything because mm-hmm. you have mm-hmm. no uh, moral, scriptural, uh, foundational values. So you can do whatever you want to do. Isn't that beautiful? You can do whatever you want to do. No, that's horrible. That's horrible. Yeah. And that's what we're dealing with. Jake Sullivan, uh, the uh, Biden in his, in his greatly diminished uh, mental capacity, clearly has no moral compass and they'll do whatever they'll whatever they can they'll say whatever they want to say because um, you know, they they have no moral foundation so truth is whatever they want to say that day to push their position and uh you know trump is a russian asset even though clearly it looks like whoa wow those uh calls to the russian uh, uh out of the dns queries out of the white house started in 2014 last time i checked that was during the the Obama years and before Trump's first term. So, I mean, this is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. So uh, who was, that's interesting, who was colluding with the Russians? And uh, so so Jake Sullivan, uh, I think it's a totally, he's totally, uh, has a total deficit in moral uh, bearing. So he doesn't care what truth is. He'll just do whatever, he, uh, it must be a horrible, uh, uh, excuse me to get personal, a horrible home life when you you have somebody like this who just, whatever he wants to make up is truth. So so that's, that's sad. Um, so there, there's that, uh, a huge deficit in ideas. I, one thing I've noticed with the, uh, with the Biden-Obama team, they don't have any ideas. I mean, they, mm-hmm. they are desperate for ideas because they, they just, they don't, they don't have a consistent thought pattern or belief. They are usually totally desperate for ideas and sheer ideology. I just, we are the most smartest people in the world and everybody needs to recognize it. And once everybody recognizes that, the world will be a beautiful place. Uh, yeah, right. That's, that's about the level and depth of their thinking. And uh, so it's sad. No moral compass, no original thought pattern, no ideas. Constantly ripping off somebody else's idea and saying it's theirs, uh, pretty sad and pathetic. Uh, I think there is a corruption angle. I divide, I divide the Biden team up into thirds. I think there's a third that truly mean they they mean well, have good intentions, but even those with good intentions can be a disaster and do and do horrible things and create horrible chaos. But at mm-hmm. least you can you can talk to them a bit. At least they're they're you can have some form of dialogue and communication with them. Yeah. Another third is uh, you know just ideologically uh, unsalvageable and just 
over the top, out of control, will say whatever, do say and do whatever they want to do to get their position. Okay, they just have to write them off. There's nothing you can do with them. They're unsalvageable. And then you got a third that is uh, uh, really literally bought off. And uh, so that's the challenge. Two thirds of the team is, uh, uh, you know, bought off or unsalvageable and, un, you know, just totally uh, can't even have a, a just a, an adult conversation with them. And one third means well, but, you know, you know, their uh, path to hell is is covered, you know, and covered with good intentions. So yeah. I, what else to say? Um, uh, we, we got a problem with this administration, um, you know, so they reject moral truth. Uh, they'll do whatever, say whatever comes to mind, lack of ideas. Where, what, what else? They're, this is a disaster. Yeah. And I don't think they give a damn about the loss of American kids' lives that uh, they're putting on the line with this either. Uh, the Afghanistan debacle was yeah, this the is, proof of the pudding of that. Uh, this is a bunch of globalist elites that have done nothing but live posh lives in the policy world. Uh, thinking big thoughts, never actually had to lead anything, never actually having to create anything, uh, and you know, talk talk down about the rich and the elite, and they're the rich and the elite, and uh, you know, so uh, you know, you know those those you know blame. Oh yeah, Trump. You know, Trump uh, said all these things about calling them losers. What a total lie! You know, the only ones calling military losers are all these elites in the uh, in the in the Biden team. And uh, on the on the blue side of the, the ledger, so this this is utterly ridiculous, and yeah. uh, they, they frankly don't to them. It's like uh, you know, yeah, yeah, I was a little sloppy getting out of Afghanistan. Yeah, you know, yeah, okay, only thirteen Americans died. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, they signed up. They knew they were getting into. No, that's a what? A, that just that just ugly, and it's it's sick. Well, it's criminal when you unnecessarily expend American kids' lives, and uh, uh, when it's not necessary. It, so what do you think, John, uh, what's your prediction uh, uh, about this mess in Europe uh, and, and what do you think the outcome will be? I mean, I mean, a lot of folks are, uh, and I'm seeing that too, it, it appears that Putin may be trying to change the security apparatus arrangement uh, uh, across Europe uh, in his thuggish kind of brutish way. Uh, and, uh, and it seems like Germany, countries like Germany, uh, may be going along with that. So what's your prediction here? Are we going to go to war? Is it good? Are we going to have World War three, uh, with, uh, with a continental Europe, uh, dominated by uh, here, here. the thug Putin? Here's my prediction. Um, uh, one party is going to win in a landslide in November. They're going to choose Donald J. Trump to be the Speaker of the House, and uh, they're going to start impeachment proceedings. Uh, that's my prediction. So I say that somewhat tongue-in-cheek, but um, I think uh, until uh, the Biden administration gets their act together, can, can effectively articulate national values and agendas be consistent show resolve be willing to be creative and punch back as you say punch back in their mind they all think well you're meaning we're gonna drop we're gonna start a war no we're not no no you have, there is as peter navarro and president trump showed there is a huge spectrum of underutilized tools in the toolboxes primarily economic and financial that will make these thug nations squeal gotta use them so they got to drop their ideological aversion, uh, whatever the source cause of this aversion is, 
they got to do that. But I, I think it's going to be uh, still an ugly state of things. I don't, I'm not saying Russia will cross the border into the unoccupied parts of the Ukraine. I'm not saying they won't. I think it's, it's, it's unlikely. I think you're going to see artillery duels like what was going on today. You're going to see cyber attacks, what was going on yesterday. Um, but, uh, you know, in many ways, Trump or, uh, um, uh, and Trump has pointed this as kind of silliness out, but uh, in many ways, uh, Putin has achieved his objectives over the Biden team by just, you know, you know, uh, all these demonstrations and feints and, you know, you know, offloading armor off the railhead 40 miles away from the border um, and, uh, you know, a bunch of troops running around Varenish, and uh, which is way over on the other side, already above occupied, uh, uh, uh the Donbass region. So I think it's just going to be more agonizing, slow attrition, uh, by Putin toward Biden to get what he wants, which is, does he doesn't want Ukraine and NATO and he wants, uh, he wants to sell oil and gas. And, you know, if we were smart, we'd be all over that because that's uh, it, I don't think anybody's wanting, as you mentioned early on, we don't really want Ukraine and NATO anyway. Uh, it's too corrupt, even with the government in charge that you like, uh, meaning Joe Biden. Uh, it's too corrupt to be part of NATO. It's it hasn't met the right standards and it's geographically in the wrong place. I mean, what 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 would we do if China and Russia decided to build military bases and, uh, and be in a defensive alliance with Mexico and Canada. Uh, which they effectively already are. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, so I just, you know, I, I, I think, you know, Ukraine is, uh, we have the National Guard has the partnership program. So there are partner states in, in the United States, partner guard uh, units that do travel to Ukraine, but that, that mm -hmm. does not make a treaty. Um, we don't want to see an invasion of the Ukraine uh, by by uh, Russia. We don't support that. Uh, but yeah, the uh, the Ukraine. I mean, I'm not. I, I just I think we need to be careful about pushing for Ukraine, which I don't believe. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't believe the Biden team has been doing that. Um, it's actually been more of uh, other parts like the European Union uh, that have been pushing things like that, um, and other other countries. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I, uh, you know, I don't want to totally write Ukraine off, but, you know, we can support them by hitting the Nord Stream, giving them a thousand javelins and unleashing American oil. If we want to show support for the Ukrainians, that's the way to do it. Oh, absolutely. And getting the Germans to reopen the uh, contract with uh, liquefied natural gas from the United States that they closed after Biden reopened Nord Stream. Uh, there are lots of things we could do that fall far short of spilling American kids' blood in Ukraine, and we absolutely uh, shouldn't do that. I don't think they will do it. But, uh, you know, if they continue to show weakness, Putin may go off the rails. You know, I mean, if he sees them as weak, and that's what they're showing right now is weakness. Uh, but I don't think he has a plan to do it, quite frankly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, 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 the weaker and more feckless the, uh, the Biden team acts and behaves, and they're very good at acting feckless and fearful. Mm -hmm. um, the more they do that, the more the greater the possibility of a major uh, ground incursion uh, by Russia into the unoccupied parts of the Ukraine. So if Biden wants an invasion by Putin, just keep 
keep on doing more of the same. Absolutely. Absolutely. Need to change your ways, folks, uh, and listen to the Joint Service Officers. Uh, <laughs> JPME Level 4. That's right. Well, John, thank you very much for joining us today to talk about this mess uh, over there. I, I don't think Americans have paid a lot of attention to it, and now that it's on their radar, they really need to know what the facts are and, uh, uh, that are beyond what just comes out of the propaganda of the United States government. Uh, and the Russian government. So we greatly appreciate that. Tell folks how to find you. I've had your getter handle up uh, on the screen the whole time oh. you've been on and, uh, and uh, uh, we appreciate oh, you coming you. on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Colonel Rhett John, Colonel R-E-T John on getter, daily missive uh, on telegram. And, uh, you know, I'm on Epic Times uh, and a new journal should be starting very shortly, Daily Middle East. So I'm on those pretty regularly. Um, also uh, now uh, with the Center for Security Policy. Outstanding. Uh, I follow the Center for Security Policy and I read your daily missive on Telegram. I uh, greatly appreciate that. I know you put a lot of work into it and I recommend folks go get signed up for that and subscribe to it. Really easy to do. And it's free. And it's coming from an expert. Uh, well, John, thanks a lot. Have a great day. And uh, we will have you on next time, not too long from now, to talk about this Durham issue uh, and what your involvement was in the old Spygate thing back when you were serving in DOD as a civilian. Yeah, thank you, Rob. Always an honor to be with you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that was retired Colonel John Mills. Uh, Talking about altering Ukraine, Russia, uh, the Biden administration, and NATO. And we appreciate his time and his uh, professional knowledge. Uh, but uh, remember, write your congressman, let him know that there's no reason to spill American blood over the Ukraine. But we should be helping them if they're our friend and they're a Democrat uh, elected government. And uh, we haven't been doing the right things we've been showing weakness, and that improves the chances that Putin will get into a shooting war over that. Strong, take the right actions, that's what we need to do. Until next week, I'm Rob Manus.